Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Saddlecast this season, myself, Glyn Price, and for a second week in a row, Ollie is still away on holiday, um, enjoying the fruits of his labour, um, he is back in the country, but he did not watch the game yesterday um, as he was travelling back, so yeah, I had an enjoyable day um, travelling down to Cheltenham with someone who's been on the podcast before, Chris Hudson, and you're going to join me to, to cover what happened in Cheltenham this weekend, Chris, so um, yeah, welcome back to the podcast, and despite the result, we did have an enjoyable day, didn't we? Yeah, good day out. It was a it was a nice day out for everything apart from three till five p.m. Really, wasn't it? But I think, like yeah. something I said on Twitter last night, sometimes it's not just about the football. We had, you know, it was a good day out with you, with your kids, and my son as well. And yeah, a bit of, bit of fun, lots of banter. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, a rubbish two hours between three and five o'clock. Yeah, it's it's never a good sign when uh, Chris Chris your son's like seven or eight something like that, isn't he? And um, during the second half, when we, when we went two 0 down, you decided you didn't want to sit by me anymore, and you might might want to go and keep him a bit bit more comfortable because uh, when at that age, it's uh, it's a bit tricky for your son to keep seeing us lose all the time. He's seen a fair few wins, hasn't he as well? But I don't know when when Shrewsbury Town make children sad, it's not a good sign of a Saturday, is it? <laughs> well, he was sat next to your lad, wasn't he? But yeah, I could just <laughs> see the signs that he just—he probably needed—he just needed to hold on to me and complain a little bit. He was all right. I think a year ago, I'd have had tears, but you know, it's taken a year, he's had a year of watching Shrewsbury Town now and he understands that we lose more than we win so it kind of <laughs> comes with the territory Yeah we start them young don't we might have went through that that blurring in phase but um, I think there was a few people on Saturday who were a bit moved to tears at times watching our uh, our play weren't there Chris but um, yeah it's, it's, I just thought it was a really good start there because you know we, we've got a few things I want to talk about when we go through the podcast really about the cost of football nowadays and we, we've touched on the cost of living crisis but Cheltenham really brings that into stark view really doesn't it and we might as well talk about this now actually in the intro we can get on to the game in a minute but you know Cheltenham is you know we went to Port Vale last weekend where kids under 12 are free and I think an adult ticket was maybe maybe 21 quid and you know you've got a team like Cheltenham where we went to on Saturday where even in advance we bought our tickets and they were 26 pound for an adult and children were 12 pound each um and if you turn up on the day it was like 29 pound and 14 pound I believe um and you know our crowd was a little bit down on Saturday there were probably a few reasons for that we can touch on but it's, it's it is an interesting discussion we had on the way back really about you know what this kind of period in the next two months might do to football um might do to football crowds and obviously costs at football clubs are going up and they've got to recoup it through ticket prices and and stuff like that but it's going to be a very difficult balance for football clubs to manage isn't it that your your costs um keep in line with what people can can kind of afford going forward aren't they and, and Cheltenham is certainly one of the highest in our division for for kind of charging away fans yeah i mean it's one of those balancing acts isn't it and you know, before i sort of complain i suppose it's one thing i would say that shrewsbury do really well you know my son's got a yep. season ticket he's seven years old and I know that as long as they don't change that policy, I won't have to pay to get him into games for the next five years, which is incredible, really. It's an absolutely incredible offer. And it's got him hooked, though. And I'd be stunned if by the time he gets to 12, he's changed his mind. And because of that decision, I'm sure that they've probably got a lifelong fan there. You know, Cheltenham are probably a smaller club than us. And that's not an insult to Cheltenham. I think it's just a fact. You know, it's a smaller stadium, smaller fan base. And I, I find it strange that they would put the pricing out as they do. Yeah, it was 26 quid in advance for my ticket, like you said. It was 10 quid for my son's ticket. So 36 quid for a Cheltenham versus Shrewsbury. And then by the time you factored in travelling and then you factored in a bit of food and everything like that, it's a, you know, it was a getting on for a 100 quid day out. And it's, mm. it's, it's crazy, really. I mean, it's, as you say, in this tight climate, do I want to spend 100 quid watching Shrewsbury Town away from home on a regular basis? And you know, the answer might well be, let's be honest, might well be no at the moment. If they were a bit more entertaining, I might feel a bit better about it. But certainly yesterday wasn't a 100 quid day out in terms of the entertainment we got. That's a really fair point. I think um, I kind of asked this question on Twitter over, over the last 24 hours since we got back from the game and, you know, kind of asked various questions about, um, you know, the, the kind of costs of, of football and stuff at the moment. And it's funny, I saw a lot of people saying, well, we know what Cheltenham are like. You know, we paid similar prices last year, didn't we? I'd rather save my money um, from this away trip and I'm going to go to Fleetwood in a few weeks' time where it's a bit more affordable and, you know, day on, day on the coast and all that sort of thing. And I think you'd, you'd, that's what I think you'll tend to find is the people will pick and choose their games a little bit more, even the hardcore that, you know, some of the people I saw talking about it were the ones I would expect to see see it Cheltenham and Fleetwood do you know what I mean so it's going to be an interesting time and Cheltenham are a bit of a joke you know the, the interesting comparison on that one Chris is you know the the Man United Man City derby was on today and away tickets in the Premier League are capped at 30 quid aren't they and so there does feel a little bit of a sort of weird difference between someone paying you know 30 pounds to watch one of the best teams in the world smash one of the last best teams in the world um at the Etihad and Tube Town fans watching Cheltenham away it's doesn't seem quite right does it you know maybe I think uh 20s plenty would be a nice campaign for our division I think for away tickets yeah absolutely I mean it's an expensive business even in league one isn't it so I get that clubs are trying to maximize revenue in order to basically be as competitive as they can but it's a balancing act and if you if you go too high if you get too greedy you put people off and 
like mm. I say, it's one thing where you know Shrewsbury have clearly taken a different approach, and our approach is to encourage young fans, make it as accessible as possible. They encourage you know parents to spend in the concourse instead. So they're hoping that my son, he might be getting in for free, but they're hoping I'm buying him a program, which I do. I might buy him a drink, might buy him a burger, sure. that kind of stuff. That's how they're trying to get the money. You know, you'll be buying the chips for yours, won't you, Glenn? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they just they're looking for ways to uh, yeah get the money that way. So it's a different approach. You know, you know I, I'll take Shrewsbury's approach over Cheltenham's any day of the week because I just think that long term, hopefully, it'll pay dividends. The, I think how long yeah. have we been doing that free season tickets at Shrewsbury now? It's probably I don't know six seven years. Yeah, it was a it was a so Brian Caldwell yeah. thing. It was quite soon after he came in, and, and it, I, know, I know Chris Wynn, who a lot of Shrewsbury fans would know, was involved heavily in bringing that forward. With um, you know, he's got a, a young son that's involved in supporters' parliament meetings as well. I believe that you know it was Chris and the SLOs, and Brian brought it in. So yeah, again, another one of those things on Brian's copybook that I think he's done well and, and helps us as a football club. It's a good place to leave it, really. I think you know, when we compare ourselves to someone like Cheltenham, yeah, they beat us on the pitch yesterday, but there's quite a lot to be proud of about the way that we look after our fans um, in cost-wise, oh, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. I was, I was just going to, I was thinking how long because the kids who we maybe first had coming through that scheme six seven years ago they're the young adults now who are maybe making the noise over in south in the south stand at the minute in oh, blocks nine and ten and would some of those not have been there if it wasn't for that offer very possibly I'd suggest because maybe yeah. their parents wouldn't have coughed up seven eight quid a week for them to come and watch Shrewsbury Town so you know hopefully we'll start to see the long term benefits and and that will only be there more in the future. There we go. That's enough padding. It's good discussion, but as you can tell, um, anyone that saw the result yesterday will know there is a very little to talk about in this game. So um, I think we'll probably spend more time talking about the team news, won't we, uh, Chris, than the actual game. But um, yeah, a really good discussion, really, um, because it is something that's becoming more and more apparent. And um, I'll keep a track of the, the crowds home and away as we go through the season and, and sort of feedback as we get towards Christmas about what's happened. But um, yeah, good discussion. Let's try our best, Chris, to get through uh, the, Sh- the Shrewsbury versus Cheltenham game. Number four was the end for Hereford. David Walton got it, and it was good night to those Wembley dreams. Okay, Glenn. So the game itself, uh, Cheltenham versus Shrewsbury, Wadden Road, or the uh, completely Suzuki Stadium, as it's apparently called now. <laughs> uh, my son was horrified at that. He kept going on about it. Uh, so Saturday, the first of October. How the heck have we got to October already? But yeah, here we are. And uh, yesterday, Cheltenham two, Shrewsbury Town nil. So two goals were one seconds before half time from Sean Long, and then the second seconds after half time from Alfie May. So really, that minute either side of half time killed us yesterday. And let's be honest, either side of those two goals, we never really looked like mm. netting one of our own yesterday. Frustrating day. A very frustrating day, which brings me to my stats uh, this week. We'll go through them very quickly. But it was one of those games, and Ollie will be disappointed he missed this, because we know, we, we should have... I'm going to put a klaxon ahead of this statistic, because I think every time it happens, I'm going to have some sort of klaxon sound on the podcast now. But no shot on target in this game. Um, absolutely ridiculous. And it doesn't happen uh, anywhere near as rarely as, as we'd hope it would as a Shrewsbury Town fan. So, yeah, you can play 97 minutes. It was in the end, wasn't it? And... Um, no shot on target. Absolutely dis- disgraceful, to be honest with you. Um, and over the last three games, we've only had three shots on target across three games. So going up about one a game, obviously two in the one game, one in one, and zero in the other one. Um, we had scored two from those three shots on target, so maybe we're slightly more efficient than we were before. But um, absolutely diabolical, the last three games in terms of um, attacking output. Um, and yeah, at the start of the game, it was an interesting one, Chris. I was looking at this, you know, because we, we can probably talk about how bad this game was and the way it was headed, etc., etc. But at the start of this game, we could have ended with permutations in the league at finishing the day on 5th place or we could have ended the day finishing in 15th place we've ended up 12th just below sort of to the bottom of that you know kind of range and I think for me all that shows is yes Saturday was absolutely awful Um, we talked positively last week about the first 10 games but you know there's still such a a small gap between 5th and 15th that you can move around on on the course of one day um, due to other results you know we're we're still not a huge amount into the season are we Um, 11 games down yeah, I think exactly. It's exactly that, isn't it? It's still early in the season and we're still at that phase where one win can move you up a long way, one one defeat can move you down a long way. You know, yeah. My son likes to do his league ladders. We do that every weekend and update them and he got very excited when we were up to 8th <laughs> and 9th and I was having to point out, don't get too excited, in a couple of weeks we could be back down in 17th again. You know, It's, <laughs> it's that stage of the season when things can change uh, still very, very, very quickly. I think if we had one yesterday, with the way results worked out, we'd actually be 8th. I did have a look at that when I saw these stats, but so, yeah, we're at that phase where a couple of wins could see us starting to embed ourselves in the top half. But equally, we've got a tough run of games coming up in a few weeks' time. Mm. You know, We could easily find ourselves very much down in usual territory again for the last few years, down in 15, 16, 17. So, yeah, it's just it's starting to shake out now, but we're not there yet, are we? We still don't really have that sense of where we're going to be over the next few months. 
no, I, for all the positives of last week, this game shook my confidence of where we're headed, to be honest with you. So it's it's one of those things. It's really difficult to judge. That's a completely fair thing to say. I'm surprised your son's league ladders have not got Shrewsbury Town's uh, little marker stuck on 17th place. Uh, you must have had to pry it out of there at the end of last season. But um, <laughs> there we go. Um, in terms of, of Saturday, obviously, we, we talked about, you know, the, the bonus of having a nice day out and, and trip down there. And when we drove down, I drove down... Um, your poor lad was sick a couple of times. I think we can blame my driving for that, Chris. Um, but uh, we got there in the end, didn't we, with uh, some jam sandwiches in hand and um, rocked up at a park I parked at last year about, I don't know, maybe a 10-minute walk from the ground um, and we let the kids have a play in the park while we were sitting there and it was probably 5-2, to two, wasn't it? And the team news was just about to come through and we said, we'll sit here and see the team news. But just before... Um, the team news came out. There was something you were looking at your phone. You were like, oh, Goglin, look at this from the town and showed me your phone. And um, let's start with the major news before the game, really, and, and major news for the season. But George Nurse, injured. Another ACL, um, obviously in the game last week where he went down injured, um, out for the rest of the season. Absolutely shocking news. Again, like Dan Ado, for him and for the club. Yeah, it's like the old London buses, isn't it? One comes along and suddenly there's another one straight on the back of it. And, uh... Mad. You know, another fairly key player. You've gone from Daniel Ludo, who clearly has been our star striker in recent times, and now suddenly uh, you're looking at George Nurse, who maybe not the star in the same way, but he is, um, you know, he's a solid player. He played most games last season, key. most games this season, and as I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, he's in a position where we maybe don't have tons of options. So it's a, it's a real shame and a real blow. Yeah, it's mad. Ado and um, Nurse both played 50 games last season, which is a crazy stat, isn't it? Really, that you're going to be missing out on a hundred of a uh, hundred caps for your for your team last week. Sorry, you're going to be missing out on a hundred appearances for your team from last season. Now not playing, it's it's a massive blow to lose two players like that. You know, if we lost a an O'Brien for the rest of the season, or I don't know, someone who only played like 10, 15 games last season, something like that, or someone who had not played for us previously, you'd, you'd say, well, okay, that's manageable. But it's it literally is two of the most important people. We didn't really have a replacement for a doe until we went and got the, the two new loan lads, and we don't have a replacement for Nurse. So you, you could say we've been incredibly unlucky with the two ACL injuries. Oh, massively unlucky. I suppose the one thing with Udo is it did happen early enough that the manager had time to maybe adjust his uh, transfer window plans. Yep. You know, we brought in Sadie and Street. I would imagine it probably would have been just one of those if it hadn't been for that injury. I, I obviously, I don't know that for sure, but I would suspect that the manager, to an extent, was responding to that injury when he brought in two more strikers. But he hasn't got that luxury with George Nurse. He's got to uh, sort of struggle through until January now with what he's got because he hasn't got the option of going out unless he goes out onto the free market. But you'll be lucky to mm. find some kind of left-back, left-wing-back who's available and not got a club who's fit enough to come in and make an impact. And we know that Steve Cottrell isn't one for doing that. He always says he wants players who are ready, not players who need six months to get up to fitness. So I don't see that happening. So I suspect we'll, uh, we'll muddle through with what we've got. He does say that, but it always seems like then all the players we sign do need ages to get up to fitness. So saying it and doing it are very different things, I think. But we, we had a bit of a shock there. And, and as I say, before we move on, I think it's best for, for us, I'll say on behalf of Folly as well, but um, you know, pass on our best to George Nurse. I, I was reading the interview that Cottrell did about it and said he was in absolute floods of tears when they found out. So um, yeah, clearly absolutely devastating news for him and, and we wish him the best. And obviously he'll go away and have the same operation by the sounds of it that the Doe had um, and, and let's get them back for next season. Yeah. So yeah, pass on our best to them. But that wasn't the end of the, the mad news while we were in the park was it because about a minute later they put the team news out and yeah I'll run through the team and you can tell me what you thought when you first saw it because it was all over the place um so yeah suddenly Harry Burgoyne's in goal um Elliot Bennett's back starting right wing back um Leahy starting left wing back obviously covering for Nurse um then we had the three centre backs that was the usual Pennington Flanagan Dunkley and then two sitting central midfielders this time were Moore and, and, and Winchester and then you know I, I, across the whole game I'm still not 100% sure what happened Sadie was definitely up front in his own Bowman was somewhere, I think maybe up with Sadie, but he barely touched the ball and Bayliss played in midfield in the more attacking role. So, yeah, there was a lot going on with that team news, Chris. It, I don't know what, what stood out to you first when you saw it. Well, we were taking it in stages, weren't we? I think when it, you know, it comes it comes up on our phone and I'm first thing I'm doing is looking to see who's playing instead of Nurse. You're trying to work out what the formation might be. I caught my son over to have a look because he always likes to look at the team. And I've got to say, he spotted it before me. He went, the Queen's <laughs> playing. And I, I hadn't even noticed that. I was like, OK, so no Morosi. And then I think, you know, I think you put out a tweet about the team news or something. It was only when someone replied to you, you went, crikey, there's no Shipley either. So you know, yeah, there was so yeah. much going on that we hadn't even spotted. So you've got Morosi with his injury. And then you've got uh, Jordan Shipley off being a father. I've not heard any updates on that, but fingers crossed all's going well and... Maybe he's rocking the new baby as we speak, mm. as it were. And you, you can't blame him for that. I mean, as we've both been through that experience, that's something that's a yeah. little bit more important than Cheltenham versus Shrewsbury Town. So, yeah, good luck to him. <laughs> I, hope, I hope everything's gone well for him and his partner. But it was um, it was team news that rocked us both a little bit. And 
yeah, I, I think I, straight away I was thinking, oh, I've got a bad feeling about today now. And I, I remember tweeting that as well, actually saying, oh, I've got a bad feeling. Because sometimes I think if I say things like that, I'm, ha I'm hoping the team are going to make me look stupid. I, I'm, I was quite happy to look stupid and Shrewsbury win. But sadly, yesterday my, poor, my bad feelings were, you know, rather proven right because it was, it was not a good afternoon. No, I mean, clearly it unsettled us. I mean, Nurse, they only, you know, they obviously found out in the week and, and Cottrell had gone and said that had unsettled them during the week a little bit. I'll talk about that when we look at his comments he made post-match because they were a bit interesting. But the Shipley thing was weird. He was actually in Cheltenham and then had to make an emergency dash one hour before kickoff up there. So clearly Shipley was starting and probably starting left wing back, I would have guessed. And maybe Moore was dropped and Lee, he was in central midfield. And you don't know how much of a difference that would have made on Saturday. To be honest with you, dropping Moore probably would have made quite a difference because he was um, pretty poor on Saturday. But yeah, the, you know, the the one worrying one for me when I first looked at that was after we sort of spotted it, it was Morosi. Um, there was a couple of rumours I heard. Um, not sure how much these are, but a couple of rumours heard that he maybe dislocated more than just the one finger, um, and he might be out for a little bit longer than we we're anticipating. It might not just be not might not just be the one game. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting little challenge for Harry Burgoyne if he's got to play three or four games back to back before rotating back out. Um, we did also have a quick discussion, didn't we, about Pike Chris? Was he dropped or rested? Um, obviously, he came on in the second half, but. Um, I, I don't know. It was a bit of a weird one from not to be playing, considering he's played so much. Um, clearly, Bennett's a better right wing back. I, I don't know what you made of Pike not being in the starting lineup for the first time in a while. Uh, I mean, we don't know what's going in the manager's head, do we? I, I mean, my instinct is it could be the manager shuffling his pack a little bit, uh, reacting to everything else. He maybe wanted to shore us up a little bit. I think he is cautious first, isn't he? So he's gone with Winchester and Moore as two defensive midfielders. You chuck Bayliss in there as well, and if he's decided to go with Bowman up front, suddenly there's no room left for Pike. So, yeah, I guess I guess he just fancied maybe away from home in what he thought might be a tough afternoon. He went he went for the experience of Bowman over Pike. Yeah. you know, Pike's done okay this season. I think a lot of people have seen that. Still, only the one goal, as we've said. So, it's it's it, you know, it's a bit. It doesn't really seem to matter at the minute which of those two plays up front because Bowman's not having the best of seasons either. No. So. No, You're no. just looking for one of them to really find form. I would argue Pikes had the better form, but you know Bowman yeah, scored fair. two goals, so maybe which yeah. ones which one was more likely to win us the game? Maybe the manager went with the the experienced one yesterday. Didn't work out that way, but well, yeah. there we go. I don't know what's going on with Bowman at the moment. He just huffed and puffed all day, but you know, thirteen touches. I said he had in the whole game. Um, he barely has a touch in any game he plays nowadays. It's very weird role he thinks he must be playing because he doesn't really seem to influence matches in the way that maybe he did when he was having that good little sort of purple patch with Dan Ado. Was, was Dan Ado bringing his level up? I don't know. We'd have to have a think about that. But um, the other good or things, as, I suppose. Or, I don't on. know. It's the shape as well. I was just going to say what our shape is as well. It'd be interesting to hear what Exeter... Because when we played Exeter, it was interesting on social media. They, mm. Lots of guys saying you know, they were looking forward to seeing Bowman, how much they missed him, how, what a shame it was when he left. They clearly rated him very highly, saw him as a huge part of their team so it'd be interesting to see how he functioned at Exeter and maybe whether there's something that we do that's different to them that just doesn't suit him as it were because well, I mean to be a, to his credit for, he scored 13 goals last year so he, he proved himself at League One you know in a, in a team that doesn't score a lot 13 isn't a bad return yeah. really no, so, good. Yeah, he's, he's I got think... some he's clearly got it yeah, he's just come off that level, hasn't he? That's the, the, the frustrating thing about it. But um, the other two things I was going to say before we move off the team news um, and get on to the, the nothing game that happened um, was O'Brien and DaCosta back on the bench. And um, I haven't put it in their agenda, but they did come on and get a couple of minutes at the end, which will probably help their uh, their recovery back from their injuries. So at least that's a couple of players coming back um, when we've obviously lost two key players um, in the last few weeks um, in terms of Nurse and Morosi. So at least there's a little bit of a balance there. But um, yeah. I don't know, A bit Chris. of flair as well, Glenn. Yeah, you look at O'Brien and think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Yesterday was dull, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, nobody showed any creativity no. or imagination, really, possibly apart from Sadie now and again. Hopefully, O'Brien will bring that when he gets fit. And DaCosta, we've only seen it in flashes, but he, he can be exciting. Uh, if he play, obviously, he's up against Bennett, who we're all pleased to see back. So, it was, whether mm. you'll see Bennett shift into midfield or whether DaCosta's going to be a regular bench warmer now, it'll be, that will be interesting to see that over time. But. On the basis of what we've seen so far, I can't see Bennett not playing most weeks as long as he's fit in one no, position or another anyway. He was excellent on Saturday, to be fair. We will give, the, we will give him his due credit as we go through this. I was going to talk to you. So there was the, 20, the first opening 20 minutes of this game. Um, 
it was an absolute nothing game, wasn't it? I think, um, you know, so I think that someone at half an hour on the Shooter Town Twitter account put out a tweet, um, Chris, saying a solid half hour. And I think you turned around to me and said, well, it was just a half an hour. <laughs> it was just, like, the first 20 minutes particularly, it was an absolute nothing game, wasn't it? There was Maybe we had a couple of good passive moments in it. Um, there was one where Sadie almost teed up Bayless, but he had his shot blocked. And they maybe had one good attacking mo mood. But it looked like a couple of really abject teams in the first 20 minutes. It was a horrible watch in the opening 20 to 30 minutes. Absolutely awful. Ah, oh, appalling. And from both sides, if anything, I'd say after 20 minutes, we'd yeah. probably been slightly the better side. That's Green. nothing to get excited about. That's not saying we were good. But if anybody was going to be the more likely to score at that point, it was possibly slightly us. If only because there'd been a couple of those nice bulldozer moments from Sadie where you thought, is he going yeah. to power through here? Uh, you just felt that maybe we had another gear to find. They just looked they looked pretty Pretty dire, Devo frankly. Devoid they didn't of ideas. Look to have anything yeah. in their lock. It was, it was a very poor exhibition of football, wasn't it? There was, I'm sitting mm -hmm. there thinking, well, you know, what are we doing? We're just sat here watching 22 people run around, but with a very little idea of, you know, how they're actually going to entertain us. Frankly, there was, there was nothing on that field at all to get excited about. But yeah, for 20 minutes, if we were probably slightly the better side, probably. But we, we'd still mostly. Like we didn't really what we would know what we were doing when we went forward. To be honest with you, and the the front three got no. completely isolated, didn't they? And we were relying, as you say, on Sadie to kind of find that little moment of magic. Um, but you know, Winchester and Moore just simply didn't get out from their own half in the whole half. It was, it was embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, there was one moment as the as that half went on. I think it was about thirty two minutes where there was a crunching tackle by Flanagan. Um, and he, he kind of was over right in front of the Cheltenham fans, and they were sort of chanting for a red. Um, he got booked, but it, I think that was a bit of a symptom of his game. He got he got caught out there and had to put that tackle in. in I think you remember. I remember you. Said and he looked a bit shaky during that first half at times. You know, coming back of international duty, maybe it's not always the easiest, but um, you know, he did look a bit shaky at times. Fanagan. Yeah, he was poor yesterday. Uh, I, as you say, I, you wonder whether he's obviously played two games in the week in the time that our, the rest of the lads have played one. Yeah. And on top of that, he's travelled around Europe to do that, so he's been sat on aeroplanes and whatever. He's only been back in training with us on Thursday. He's probably turned up Thursday either jet lagged or a little bit tired from all that. So. It's not been ideal preparation for him. Uh, you know, you can't begrudge him two international appearances for Northern Ireland. That's fantastic, but we didn't get uh, we didn't get the best out of him on Saturday for sure. That's probably the worst I've seen Tom Flanagan play in a Shrewsbury shirt. That's a completely fair thing to say, to be honest with you. And um, as I say, the thing that stood out in this whole half was just how deep town were wasn't it and with the, the fullbacks Lee he was wasted at left wing back wasn't he on, on Saturday um, he's such a much much better midfield player for me Bennett was playing well um, he was trying to get up but I think you know most of the credit we were giving him for was his defensive work where he was really solid um, his passing was good as well but even with five at the back and struggling to get your wing backs out what are your thoughts this is something that seems to be niggling quite a lot of town fans at the moment in terms of needing to play two sitting deep shield central defensive midfielders in front of a back three. Winchester and Moore could almost have been centre-backs at times on Saturday, couldn't they, Chris? Even when we went 2-0 down, they still didn't get out. And I don't know, what do you make of this? Is it is it necessary? Is that the way to unlock this team, to give up one of those positions and give it to a more attacking player and that should open us up to be a little bit more dynamic? Or or, or are we simply not good enough at the back and, and Steve Cottrell thinks we need to have the cover? Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it, he spent all season shaping us up to, uh, you know, we've given away possession, sat back, waited for teams to make a mistake and tried to hit them on the break. That seems to be how he set us up to play. It's not exciting, but you can't really blame the players if they're following the instructions that the managers told them to oh, play no. to. Oh, no, uh, I agree. It's, it's, I, I don't really understand at times why we're doing that. I, I, can, I see he was unsettled yesterday, obviously, by all the changes he's had to make to the team. But we're talking about Cheltenham Town here. We're not talking about Real Madrid. We're not even talking about Ipswich exactly. Town. You know, we're talking about a team that we'd hope that are on a similar level to ourselves, at least. If not, you'd hope that you know, on our squad we've got more quality than them. But we didn't set ourselves up to show that yesterday. Or at least it didn't feel that way to me. So no. I, don't, I don't know why we do it, to be honest. But it, it is, it's frustrating and I... I'm never a fan of the 3-5-2 anyway, but again, it's clearly the manager's preferred formation and, you know, to give him his credit, there's times when it's worked well for us. You know, um, the Exeter game, we were, we were when we actually switched back to that, it actually worked in our favour for a change, but, you know, m mostly in recent... So, Burton game, I'm, I might be mixing the two. No, it was Exeter game. Yeah, it was Exeter game. Exeter game, yeah. yeah. But in general, recently, some of our better footballs come when we've played actually with four at the back. The other Agreed. thing I'd say, though, is I suppose you talked about does he trust the defenders? On paper, each of those defenders is pure quality for this level. You know, Shea Dunkley, exactly. Flanagan, Pennington. But there's something, you know, we're not the watertight Shrewsbury of, of usual. I was, you know, last four league games, we've conceded seven goals. You know, you, you extrapolate that across a season, and we're going to let in around 70 to 80 goals. That's, uh, that's relegation <laughs> form Chris. defending. So. 
to work. I'm not saying we will do that, but <laughs> I just make you know that's that's the form our defence is showing at the minute True. in terms of yeah, what yeah. they're the, you know. So if that's what he sees and he feels he needs to shore the midfield to dry that up, then that's what he feels. But the trouble with that is, if we're not going to get forward and score at the other end, there's just no margin for error, is there? So. But the, the thing it's, about it is, it, it, it makes for the frustrating watch we're having. It makes for these games. That... Yeah, and I get the tactic you set out there. You know, we're looking to do those breaks, aren't we? Set up, don't have the ball, invite pressure on, break, score. You know, that's that's the tactic. It has worked times this season. We were up as far as twelfth, weren't we? And even higher in the league. And great, all good. Um, but for me, when you watch a game like Saturday, for anyone that wasn't there, it's it's the fact that Winchester and Moore were very deep and they weren't springing on any of our counter-attacks not that we had that many whereas you think about someone like Ollie Norburn who played maybe a, a slightly deeper more defensive central, central midfielder role but you could call him box to box I, I'm not sure Moore is not box to box Moore is like the the ultimate centre central defensive midfielder um, maybe Winchester is and we've got to let him settle in and see how he gets on but neither of them are box to box midfielders that seem to have the engine to get up and down and that's what's holding us back a little bit I think Lee is and when Lee's in there I think it does give us a little bit more but Trying to play two shields with Winchester and Moore, to me, is inviting trouble in every game we play. And I wouldn't want to see that very much going forward. Um, having, having said that, with Lee playing left-back for a while now, maybe we'll have to. But um, I'd rather have Bennett in there. He's got an engine. I'd rather have Bennett for Moore or Bennett for Winchester and, and see how that goes. But we'll see how it gets on. Um, talking to Bennett, he was the standout player in the first half, wasn't he, Chris? And, and probably across the whole game, um, he, he was really good. But um, there was one moment, um, just before we get to their goal, just for half-time, where we, we almost got in. Um, there was a really crap back pass from a Cheltenham player. Lee, he almost got onto a little short back pass, didn't he? Um, it looked like he got a little toe end on it but the keeper sort of saved it and then after that it looked like the game was sort of petering out to half time Chris because Cheltenham started time wasting the keeper started time wasting at home and it was nil nil and it was just like oh my god this is this game's getting worse to watch yeah absolutely yeah. it was petering out at that point so it was just it, it's that cliche isn't it, it couldn't it couldn't have been a much worse time to concede really because that goal almost came out of nothing for them and they're thinking my god we're 1-0 up yeah. suddenly and they've got their tails up right before half time and I haven't seen the goal back yet. I've only watching it from the far end. I couldn't see it that clearly. I remember you saying to me that the flick on that led to them scoring actually came off the head of Taylor Moore. So he, he actually, you know, the assist was from one of our own players. I haven't seen that, but yeah, if that's the case, then that's just all the more frustrating, isn't it? Really, we've we've kind of gifted them that in a way because. You know, we talked about Harry Burgoyne. He's let in two goals yesterday, but he's done nothing wrong in that game, really. I don't blame him for either nah. two goals. You know, it, so and I certainly don't think it's the injury to Morosi that cost us that game yesterday. So, yeah, but individual mistakes or you know individual slip-ups like like from Taylor Moore there, we've been punished, and it's just frustrating. It's because there was yeah that game deserved to be nil nil at halftime. Nobody deserved mm. a goal from that game, frankly. Not a chance, no, because Burgoyne had made his first save. They'd only had one shot on target before the goal, and he'd made a good save and tipped it over, didn't he? And he'd done quite well in the air before that as well, but this was just a close... Uh, it was a long throw, wasn't it? Uh, as I say, I think it flicks off Moore's head front post um, and then pokes in at close range. Nothing that Burgoyne could do about that. And just a just a really shit time to let a goal in on 40, 40 45, isn't it? And it really knocks the stuffing out of you. And It, is a, it was an interesting one, because we went into half-time. Um, Cheltenham had been very poor. Let's not mistake about it. We had been very poor. They had been very poor. It did not deserve to be 1-0 to them, or it didn't deserve to be 1-0 to us. But half time, you know, you still had a bit of confidence that if Cottrell could do an Exeter or, or send out a team with a slightly less defensive mindset, there were still goals in it for us, wasn't they? They didn't look brilliant. But um, I, he sent out the team early, didn't he, from the half time, Chris? They were out three, four minutes before Cheltenham, um, obviously given a rollicking. And whatever he sent them out and whatever he said to them did not help because they <laughs> instantly scored, didn't they, to go 2 0 up? I'd like to put a stopwatch on it, but it must have been 30 seconds max, mustn't it? I mean, yeah, kick off straight down yep. the right-hand side. Decent cross, to be honest. Hell of a thump from Alfie May off the bar. Off, I think he came off the back, head or back of Harry Burgoyne and in. I don't I don't think he, he knew nothing about it. There's nothing much no. he could do, but quite the strike from Alfie May. Uh, well, probably the one bit of quality we had in that game. I mean, it was a good cross, good, good finish, good goal in a way, although I'm sure, from what Cotter had to say, I think defensively he wasn't happy with it, but... Alfie May is, you know, he proved himself last year, 23, 24 goals in League One, and he scored a few again this season. You know, he's a, he's a good player, you know, bad afternoon for him in the end because he ended mm. up being stretched off, but he showed what he can do there with that finish. He amused me with his celebration. He was celebrating right in front of us, wasn't he? But yep. he wasn't goading the Shrewsbury fans. He was performing for the cameraman. It was uh, it was quite the sight. He was just con he was loving having his photograph taken after scoring that goal. It was the only thing I think that put a smile on my face. 
<laughs> he did enjoy that, to be fair. Although there was one guy celebrating the goal in our end, wasn't there? And essentially, it must have been a Cheltenham fan there with maybe a friend who was a Shrewsbury fan, but he obviously over-celebrated the goal and annoyed someone because the stewards then let him out through a gate and we were like, oh, this guy's been thrown out. I wonder if he said something racist or something you know, untoward. And they let him into the Cheltenham end and he, just walk- <laughs> he walked down the terrace and he just stood and watched the game from the Cheltenham end. So he must, must have been a Cheltenham fan hiding in our end with a with a friend who was from Shrewsbury. But um, yeah, Alfie May, for me, was the class on the pitch. I, I said on the podcast last year, I bloody love a player like Alfie May. But we had a discussion, Chris. Well, maybe it wasn't you. I think it might have been Paul Coyne or, or, or Roger Groves or sitting with on Saturday. And, and I think we were talking in the second half about it, saying, if we bought a player like Alfie May, I'm not sure that Cottrell would really use him all that much. Where would he fit into our team? You know, we, we don't really play with a player like that. But um, yeah, he was definitely one of the best players, on, uh, well, definitely the best player on the pitch. Um, and I, I quite like him. He seems to play well against us in most games, um, even when we've beaten Cheltenham. So. That's fine. It did go down as his goal, though. It didn't go down as a Burgoyne own goal. I thought it might do originally because it, it came off. The, it did come off the bar and hit him and go in, but it must have already been over the line then. Um, and that was it. That was game over, Chris. You, you didn't feel like we were getting back in this one, did you? Yeah. We're the kind of side sometimes if we go 1-0 down, you worry about us coming back into a game. Although, to be fair, we've done it a couple of times this year, haven't we? Against Wickham, against uh, Exeter as well. But yeah, yeah, you often think it's gonna. You, you just don't fancy us to do it. And Saturday, I certainly didn't fancy us to do it. And we never really threatened to. There was no sign of us coming into life. No big tactical shake-up. You know, the first substitution we did make was Bowman off and uh, and Pike on. So you know, striker for a striker. It, uh, there was, I didn't see any big dramatic trans- uh, attempt to go for it. I'm sure you know we had tactical tweaks, but none, nothing nothing of it paid off. You never felt that the team had anything about them to turn that game around and Cheltenham really saw it out incredibly comfortably. You're not going to get a much easier 2-0 win. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a thrilling game for their fans, but they'll have walked out of that ground thinking that was straightforward really. Yeah, they said we were poor. The Cheltenham fans I was reading a few things about like, if Town, if Shrewsbury Town are ninth, we'll be able to climb this division quite quickly. To be fair, but um, it, it they could have gone further ahead, couldn't they? To be honest, we, in the end, it was a, a good two 0 They missed two great chances as the, as the game went on, particularly one where a guy shot right across goal. We should have scored from that one. Um, we had a good free kick chance. We wasted it over the bar. It was the only real kind of exciting moment in the second half. It to me, I went to Port Vale um, obviously the week before last, and it was like the Port Vale second half. We just got worse and worse and worse. And they really didn't turn up second half. They probably didn't turn up the whole of the game. But there's nothing really to say. You know, we've kind of covered why we play badly on the podcast a lot. You know, the, the reasons for it. And this was exactly that. You know, n- none of the ball really. Hardly creating any chances. Um, hardly getting forward. Hardly touching the ball in the opposition box. All the same kind of problems. And then still looking a little bit ropey at times when when we we kind of get attacked on. Um, and yeah, you're right. The subs were, were interesting. They were all like for like. And even when we were two 0 down, persisting with those two sitting defensive midfielders really really annoyed me Chris as you probably have picked up from this podcast um one one note of, of something that was quite I don't know if it's funny or annoying was um I think there was a point where um someone came on the pitch and they had a little written note in their hand and they took it over to Winchester uh, who re- read it and then he passed it to Taylor Moore and he read the note and then do you know and do you know what Taylor Moore did with the note he walked over to the Cheltenham bench he threw it on the floor by them and the Cheltenham subs picked it up and started reading it I thought I hope that note wasn't some sort of key tactical instruction you assume it might have been but like what what was he doing why didn't he put it in a sock or something it was it was so stupid to give away any kind of change in our game plan and eventually it got passed to their manager he had a quick read and that was it I was like for Christ's sake lads I was obviously so bored. I saw the note, but I hadn't realised until I saw your comments on Twitter that Taylor Moore had done that. But that's just utterly ridiculous, isn't it? Stupid, but, wasn't as it? As you say, I, I hope the managers had words about that as well, because you know, well, at least he was trying to do something by the sounds of it, because you'd assume it was tactical. It was Pike who brought the note on when he came on as a sub, so it yes, would have been tactical yeah. switches at the point of that substitution. So. Yeah, whatever he told him, as you say, you talk about you might, Cottrell might as well have gone and had a word with him at the Cheltenham bench and said, lads, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. a bit brainless. It was a bit brainless. I could have think, thought of some other things you could have written on that note when they brought it on, but we won't be that rude on the podcast. Um, yeah, game went on. Nothing happened. Um, eventually, we started moving Bennett around, didn't we? He started playing up front for a minute, and then he was left back. Then he went back to right back. We were just moving things around and did eventually go for four at the back, but it was very late on, and it was very disjointed. Um, there was a little injury just before 90 minutes, and then another bloody seven minutes of injury time. It's 20 minutes of injury time in two games, Chris. Really getting our money's worth at the moment, I'll tell you what. Um, and then, yeah, there were some boos in the last 20 minutes for various bits of misplaced passes. There was there was one where Dunkley just kicked it straight to the bloody keeper there was more I think his last touch of the game he just <clears throat> passed it out for a, a goal kick and there was a few boos there and there was a few boos on the on the final whistle but I think that was probably very fair personally for me I don't know what you make of it I've hardly missed a game this season but <clears throat> I felt that was like our worst game of the season in terms of performance and result um, combined because we were pretty rubbish against Ipswich 
in terms of losing that game, weren't we? Three nil. But Ipswich were good, and I don't think we played as badly as we did on Saturday. Whereas Cheltenham were pretty poor, and they easily beat us. So for me personally, I felt that was our worst performance of the season. Definitely our worst away performance. But um, yeah, that was that was the worst thing I've seen this season. I don't want to see it again. Oh, Glenn, it was appalling. So, so this week there was um, an article in the Guardian about what's the worst football match you've ever seen, and it, it created <laughs> quite a lot of conversations on social media with people talking about. Lots of people went for games where Shrewsbury had been stuffed, but I actually picked as a Shrewsbury fan. I picked a game from twenty odd years ago that I remember where we lost, but it was just a dire game from both sides at Doncaster. And I genuinely thought yesterday, actually, I've just watched another one that for me is up there in, in contenders for one of the worst football matches I've watched live because it's not just that we lost; it's just what a poor game of football it was you know that was not a good you know Cheltenham fans will have gone away pleased with the three points but they can't go away from there thinking that they're a terrific football team because they weren't great either it was just an awful exhibition of football from from both sides frankly so yeah yep. worst performance for us this season by a country mile Ipswich Town you mentioned that game yeah we lost 3-0 but as you said they were just pure quality they played us off the park and on the basis of that performance they'll win League One and they've got on to you mm. know pick up plenty more good results since uh, so much as that was disappointing, sometimes you just have to hand, hold your hands up and say somebody's better than you. But yesterday wasn't about that for me. It was just about an abject performance where we never looked like a, 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 you know, a proper football team. We looked so disjointed. It was just appalling. We lost the game. They didn't beat us. It was more like that, wasn't it? I think that was kind of how I felt at the end of it. Anyway, we soon shuffled out, Chris, and got it back up the motorway. Um, I think I converted your son to Burger King over McDonald's, which was a, a fascinating turn of events, Chris. But um, yeah, got got back to town quite early doors and um, had, a, had a room and sort of thoughts about top three really on the on the way back and um, we've both gone for the same player and I think pretty much every player would have gone for that player on Saturday if they were there but for me my top three um, Bennett was clear man of the match he came off um, with maybe six minutes to go didn't he something like that it was quite late on and he got a round of applause from all the town fans behind the goal even though we were 2-0 down and, and a lot of people were quite angry um, he did not shirk his responsibilities um, he played pretty well so yeah clear man of the match for me um, and, and I think that he got the, the, the sort of man of the match votes I saw elsewhere as well for me I went for Leahy second uh, just because he'd been shunted out of position he is completely wasted at left wing back but I don't recall him making any errors and this is one of those Saturdays Chris where I'm giving people top threes on the principle that they didn't stand out of being totally rubbish and I gave Winchester third place I hated how deep he was it drove me mad the whole game but that's the role he was asked to do and he did it pretty well he broke most of the attacks up and, and he played that role much better than Taylor Moore did on Saturday so they were my top three but outside of Bennett it was a, you could have thrown a blanket over quite a lot of players couldn't you yeah, with you, I went with Bennett as well for number one. I actually went for Christian Sadie for my number two, uh, I suppose. I went yeah, for the fair. player that gave me a tiny bit of excitement. Probably a lot more of that was the first half hour. There were, he had a few moments early on. Uh, and just, yeah, the ball at his feet when he's running at defenders, it actually makes you sit up a bit and think something might happen here. And there wasn't much of that on Saturday. So for me, that probably got him into my top three. I also went for Leahy. I thought Leahy did okay. So, yeah, as you say... He hasn't played left on the left side very much in recent times, so given that he's had to adjust to that as well, I thought he did pretty well and probably can take some credit out of it. So yeah, they were my top three. Winchester that you've picked, all right at times. I thought he was he can be reckless. I hope that I hope that's something that isn't going to cost us at times. You know, he got that booking, and there are, I'm sure there's refs that would have sent him yeah. off for that. You know, so it was one of those that could have gone either way. So. I just think he needs to be a little bit careful. He's cut, but yeah, right now, if you told me we had to play one holding midfielder, I'd pick him over Taylor Moore. Moore's form has dipped. You know, when he, Badly. Considering he's playing out of position, he actually started all right, and I thought there were good signs. But I think at the minute, for his own good, he maybe needs to come out and spend a bit of time on the bench and earn his place back again because his form has dipped. Yeah, I think it's, it's about resting those players that are not in best form if we've got the ability to do it. But with injuries and stuff, it might not be necessarily be so easy. I did have a look at um, Steve Cottrell's comments on, on the way home um, once I got back. Um, I found them quite interesting, particularly the first one where there is a massive dose of irony behind it, Chris. But he's put, we didn't do enough today. And if they, the meaning Cheltenham, didn't have a long throw, they probably wouldn't have scored. So we're disappointed. I, c I couldn't believe that. Like, you know. Hello, do you remember the Wickham away game, Steve? Hello, do you remember some of the other games where all we've done is rely on long throws? I thought that was a bit churlish considering how we've set up on, on set pieces for long throws all season that he's mo moaning because they've got one. And that is another thing we should just point out, Chris, um, about that comment, is that losing George Nurse is a real problem for long throws for us now. It was quite a profitable way of scoring, but we'll lose that now as well, won't we? Yeah, it's key part of our armoury, so it's a real blow. It was interesting, Luke Leahy took a couple of throws and they lined up as though it was George Nurse. They were still deep in the box. And to be fair to him, he's got a bit of a throw on him. I mean, it's I was quite surprised. So I think we're going to be relying on Luke Leahy for the long throw in from now on by the looks of it. But yeah, Cottrell's comments, I'm not sure he was moaning, to be honest. I mean, there's probably some honesty there. Yeah, if it wasn't for that long throw, maybe Cheltenham don't score. But 
that's, that probably says something about us as a side as well. You know, that's both of us rely on, that, that's two very yeah. average to poor League One sides if, if you're saying that actually without a weapon like that, you're not going to do anything. So there's, there's some honesty there, but also maybe something for him to reflect on. And if, if he wants us to be better than that, how are we going to create a bit more without George Nurse? Yeah, I mean, we had no shots on target, so we can't really criticise other teams for ever they're creating chances on target. Anyway, but there we go. I thought it was a bit ironic, to be honest with you. I haven't watched that the last couple of those few games this season. Um, he said, there were too many upsets throughout the week that changed a lot of our work on the training ground. For this week and for this game, I had to pick three teams because of the setbacks. I still think this team should have performed better than it did today. So, yeah, I agree with you, but a fair bit of honesty there. I'm presuming that, you know, we found out about Nurse maybe Monday, Tuesday. Um, he probably had a scan, came back, so he's had to then change his left back position and move Lee around. And then it sounds like Morosi, you know, hasn't quite made it late on. And then obviously there's the issues with with Shipley as well. So clearly, having to pick a few teams this week, I think you know there is a. I will give them a slight bit of defence on the fact that we probably did have a very unsettled week, Chris, and particularly an unsettled pre-match as well. But as as he said, even with the players we put out, they should have been a lot better. Yes, I mean it happens, doesn't it? Teams get injuries. Everybody, it happens to everybody from time to time, and it's been a. A tough week for him, but shuffling his team around, as you say, I'm sure he knew the George Nurse one early. If that injury happened last Saturday, I'm guessing by Monday, they pretty much knew what was going on there. Uh, Morosi, disappointing, but at the same time, it doesn't affect your tactical makeup. It's just switching the goalkeepers, isn't it? So I I don't think that would have affected the way he was going to set the game up. Shipley, you can see that being an unsettling one, because... It sounds like right up until Saturday lunchtime, Shipley was starting. So yeah. that cl- that's probably the one that's caused him the biggest problem. Although, again, you'd like to hope that he was thinking about it because presumably he knows that his player, his wife is, you know, mm. due any moment and is therefore thinking, what well, you know, there must be a plan for what you're going to do. You know, even in whatever you, you know, in your line of work that you've got people in your team, if you've got somebody working for you who might be going off on maternity leave, you, you know, your succession planning says that you've got ideas on what you're going to do about it. I've got people who work for me and if, if one of them goes off, I have to have plans in place for for how we would handle that. And I, I don't think that's any different in professional sports. So you'd mm. like to think that he'd at least thought about it, although, granted, it, it's clearly very unsettling. be interesting to see what we would have done, because, yeah, as you say, probably Shifley, I'm, Shifley, I'm assuming, goes on the left in that scenario, which yeah. puts Luke Leahy back into midfield and probably means either Moore or Winchester didn't play. So, But it's interesting that his response to that means that he did go for those two defensive midfielders rather than a different shape that he could have gone for based on what he had on the bench. We couldn't have been worse, Chris, could we? Let's be honest about it. Um, yeah, he said there about that, 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 you know, we can't afford to lose players from the starting lineup, let alone three or four of them. Um, functionality doesn't come in the performance, and that's what happened today. Again, fair enough, I suppose. We are such a, a small squad that when we lose three of our sort of starting players, it's definitely going to unsettle us a bit. But there was still enough quality out there to have done a job on Saturday, in my view, and, and clearly Steve agreed. Um, the last comment he put there was, it was quite a, he was quite down at the end of it. He was like, you know, trying to, someone asked him a positive question. Dunny asked him a, a whole lot of very easy questions, I thought, on Saturday, and so did the, the other press guys. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not wanting to kind of smash them because they're only twelve, I suppose. Um, but he put, he said, it's hard to look for any positives at the moment. It's been a really bad week for us, and you can just sort of see the the weight of the world's come on his shoulders. Really, you know, that's a bad result. Losing nurses is a, is a bad blow. Obviously, maybe Morosi's out for a little bit longer, and he's worried about that. You know, he's clearly got a lot of problems to deal with all of a sudden now after the good start um, that he really wasn't anticipating. We've seen that with Steve in the past, haven't we? We've had a relatively decent start to this season, so actually the post-match interviews have been quite yep. bubbly. We've seen the good side of Steve Cotterell Saturday, just you know. But you look back to last season when times were tough, and you know there were some pretty bleak interviews, some pretty abrupt interviews, interviews that weren't broadcast because things have happened behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. So we know that if things aren't going well, he doesn't always handle it very well, and that's his passion. That's what he's like. And clearly on Saturday he was fed up, and you know, that that came out in the interview. I sometimes feel for these managers, he's feeling fed up, he's feeling annoyed and then he's got a microphone under his nose at 5.15 and maybe if he does the same interview today or tomorrow he's he can reflect on it a little bit more objectively but yeah he was clear as you say he was clearly down in the dumps and fed up at the end of the game and you know, yeah. he wasn't the only one so was I. More fed up than angry. I wouldn't say he was back to his old angry ways. Um, yeah. He just just really no, 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 hard no, no. one take on the chin. I think this week to, for for all of us to be mm. honest with you. And yeah, I, I felt crap leaving the game on Saturday, Chris. I think we both did, didn't we? It was a real real sort of reality check. We we all often use that word on it because sometimes we'll have a good little run and then we have a bloody reality check, and it was another one of them, unfortunately. So um, there we go. Uh, that's it. I mean, we're going to leave the game there. It was dull and we lost. Um, and we'll have a look now at a couple of fan questions and, and look at what's coming up in the next few weeks. Lanzini has to check. Lanzini's still getting at the shot in Gracefield. Lanzini shoots off the line to Rivik Block and James Bolton. 
So, as we didn't have much to talk about in that game, Chris, I asked for a few questions from fans this week. So we had a few on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, probably just worth us talking about that. I think we've kind of covered some of these. But Tom Griff was asking a question, um, which was, is football a results business or an entertainment business? Probably brought into sharp focus by the fact that this season we aren't very entertaining, but we have been getting slightly better results. Um, and I think you've talked about this in the introduction, about how, how you enjoy, enjoy going to football. But would you say it's one or the other or a bit of both? Oh, so I'm going to massively sit on the fence here, Glenn. It's definitely both, isn't it? So if you're winning yeah. week in, week out, then you can, you can, you can ignore the, the poor performances, I suppose. It, if we, if we shithouse our way to, to, to 31 nil wins and find ourselves <laughs> in the playoffs or the automatic promotion places, then obviously everybody's happy. But the problem with playing football that way is when the results aren't coming, then people will equally turn a lot quicker because you want to be entertained. And we've talked about cost of living crisis and all that. And right now... If you're going to play boring football and you're not going to win football matches, then I think you're going to see people vote with their feet because you know, they've got better things to do with that money right now, even if it's just paying their electricity bill. So it's, uh, it, for me, for me yeah. my answer to Tom would be it's both. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. To be honest, with you. I don't think I've got another answer for it. Um, it depends on on what kind of run you're on as well, doesn't it? But um, the next one was from Ben Harvey um, under Steve Cottrell. Do you think as a team we are good at getting back into games after we go behind? Clearly, we have a good example of one we did recently, which was the Exeter game. But it doesn't feel like we've done it all. I'd have to check. But I don't feel like we've got back into games a lot to go on ahead and get wins. We've come back and got draws, but. It, often it feels like I think as a huge fan, you feel like once we go behind one or two nil, that's the game over, and it felt like that on Saturday, didn't it? It absolutely did. I mean, we've done it twice this year, haven't we? Because we've got Exeter, where we came from 2-0 down, and actually we played yep. okay after that. We, I mean, we probably just about deserved that. We certainly deserved at least the draw, and we, 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 put, we put pressure on them. We also did it at Wickham. Wickham was an odd one, mm-hmm. wasn't it, though? We kind of created... I'd, I'd have to go and see the stats, but I doubt we had more than two, not many more than two attempts on target, but we yeah, won that game poor. 2-1. So it wasn't, that we, it wasn't like it was a thrilling comeback. It was more that we, we, we were gritty, we were hard, and we hit them on the counter a couple of times, and managed to find some quality to score a couple of goals but I kind of get what Ben's saying because yeah more often than not when we go 1-0 down you sit there thinking oh it's going to be hard now we're, we're the kind of side that if we go 1-0 up we're hard to break down but sometimes yeah, that's if fair. we go 1-0 down you don't, you don't see us getting back at it very quickly Feels like the first goal in any Shoe Town game at the moment is absolutely vital, isn't it? At the end of the day, um, it kind of dictates where we're headed most of the time. Um, I had a, another question from Cal, not Carl on Twitter. Um, who do you think is going to consistently play left wing back now? Nurses out um, up until January, at least when we, we probably will recruit. But um, are you are you thinking Shipley or Nurse, or do you think there's something else there that might happen? Sorry, not Nurse, obviously. Well, uh, Shipley or Shipley or Leahy, sorry. <laughs> Shipley or Leahy, yeah. Uh... So I mean, those are the only two obvious left footers I can think of my squad. My suspicion, my I expect that you'll see a bit of both of them, and it'll be horses for courses depending on the tactics. Mm. You know, obviously, Shipley's more forward. Shipley's more forward thinking, you'd imagine. So maybe if it's a game where he fancies us and actually wants to go for it, he might stick Shipley out there. If he's being more cautious, it might be Leahy. There's also the option to switch to a flat back four, and obviously we did sign Leahy as a left back, so you'd imagine he could play in that position as well. So, yeah, I suspect you'll see us shuffling our pack a little bit. And that's, you know, it's a cultural credit. One thing he has improved this year, you do see a little bit more uh, uh, tactical fluidity in our team. We're playing, you know, last year it was 3-5-2 no matter what. Whereas this year you get the feeling that there is the option to do different things uh, uh, in different games, depending on what's available and what the opposition are likely to be doing. So I suspect we'll see a few people out there, but there's no there's no one obvious option, is there, that you'd think, oh yeah, that's on that's our left wing back till 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 the next transfer window, as you say. There's, there's zero chance we're going to play four at the back consistently, Chris. Between now and January, I don't think he's going to consist. Oh, no, not consist. Absolutely yeah. not. No, I agree, yeah, yeah. but I could see us doing it now and again. And he has got in Leakley, he's somebody who who can play left back. It's not like we'd be playing a square peg in a round hole if he did want to do that. We do have a left back, so. I'm just saying yep. that it's an option to him, so that's one. That's one thing you'd say that like, we we haven't always had. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and yes, that was it in terms of questions. I thought it was just interesting to throw a few things out there, but um, yeah, I think we covered most. Uh, there was a few other questions we had, and I think we covered most of it during the podcast. So apologies if I didn't name check anyone else that sent a question in. Um, and yeah, in terms of what's coming up next, Chris, um, the next game. I don't know. It's it's another one of those games where I wouldn't like to think you know it's an it's an automatically difficult game because Milton Keynes Dons, my dark horses to win the league, Chris, um, have struggled at times this season and have not been doing very well. Um, below us in the league, obviously, um, lost again at the weekend, but did score two late goals. You pointed out to me when we were driving back, which has maybe given them a little bit of a confidence coming into our game. But um, I, I, no games are easy in this division, are they, for us at the moment? And um, I, I guess it's a it's a home game. We should be looking to take something from, but it would be a, a big blow if we weren't to take at least a point from it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm just a natural pessimist, Glenn. I look at a team like MK Dons and think, yeah, they've had a terrible time at the moment, but at some point they're going to turn that around. <laughs> they're not a team that's going to finish in the relegation zone. You imagine they'll be at least mid-table, and that would be a yep. poor season for them. So at some point their results improve, and often I think, who who are, who are a team going to start to turn it around against? You think, yeah, it's going to be us, isn't it? Yeah. So Definitely. that's the that's the negative in me, and that that's not a knock at Shrewsbury. That's just my natural pessimism as a football fan, I think. And so yeah, I could easily see that game going wrong. You'll have to tell me what happens. Sadly, I'm not there on Saturday. Actually, I've. Uh, I'm coaching my son's under eights football team in a in a friendly against Packwood Hall School. So yeah, that's that's gonna uh, that'll be what I'll be doing. I'll be watching under eight, which might be more. Well, there'll be more goals. That's for sure. I think I'll see more goals than you on Saturday. So. Yeah, you're definitely going to see more goals than you would at the Meadow. That, that's for sure, Chris. That is a hundred percent given. Um, and all the best to Bastards Juniors. I know that's who your son plays for. And I went to Corbett when I was younger, and I played for Bastards Juniors. Great days. Um, so yeah, up the Bastards Juniors. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about MK Dons. I did feel a little bit like you just described when we had that Burton game because they were on a bad run and we obviously well, we, we scrambled a win against them didn't we really they were quite good Burton but we got the win in the end so may, maybe another scrappy one like that I'd just keep uh, the wolf from the door um, and not have a slipping too far down the table but um, yeah it'll be a tricky one I think um, and yeah and obviously Ollie will be back next week and hope, hopefully I think he's pretty much coming to the game next week and now he's back he's not been to a few for a week with his holiday so yeah we'll be back next week to talk about the MK Dons game um, get another guest on and yeah, nothing much to say really. Quite a disappointing week, Chris. Is there anything we've missed? Are you overly positive going into this winter? <laughs> yeah, I suppose the only thing you, we've had a bit of a moan today. We've said it was dull. We've said we're not good and all that. And yet we're twelfth. And actually, for Shrewsbury Town, twelfth in weird, League One, over with the exception of one season, twelfth in League One is huge progress. It's just whether you believe we can stay there. But if we, you know, if mm. we beat MK Dons, we could be back in the top ten again. And you know, if you'd said to me that after twelve games this season we'd be top ten, I'd have snapped your hands off. So, you know, right. it's certainly not it's not all negative. There are positives nope. there. Uh, but yeah, I just I want to enjoy it more. I want to yeah. So it'd be. If we can keep sustaining results enough to keep us in the top ten, then you know you'll you'll forgive anything. But if it starts getting difficult, yeah. then it just becomes a dull, difficult, dull season. So it's just that balancing it's... up. But I'm trying to be positive because yeah, we're we, we're not we're not in the relegation zone. This is as good nope. as it's been at this time of year for a while. No, exactly. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And um, I think with these two podcasts, while Ollie's been away, last week was very very positive, and this was. Less so because of the nature of the result on Saturday. So between these two podcasts, I think Shrewsbury fans' views might fall somewhere between between the two, maybe Chris. But um, I appreciate your company this weekend and a company on the podcast this weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll get you back on again down the season, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. And uh, as I said, next week we'll be back, me and Ollie, um, looking at another Shrewsbury Town game, hoping for a win. And uh, yeah, everybody have a good week, and we'll catch you next Sunday. <laughs>